detective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. We were going to do put out Moonraker, Moonraker episode, after our Jaws episode. But due to the recent viral outbreak, coronavirus, we thought we'd go for something a little more topical. Yep, just like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're right, we've got our finger on the pulse. Yep. Uh, we're going to do 1995's Outbreak. But before we get to the film, we uh, do a quick sort of what have we been watching. Jared, what have you been watching? First off, I saw The Invisible Man. So did I. Yes, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Obviously the... Uh, I mean, I wish I'd have seen the Dark Universe version, but hey. Yeah, yeah. don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see... Uh, I would have loved to spend, um, you know, 80% of the movie with an invisible Johnny Depp. Just, you know, <laughs> focused on him the yeah, whole time. Of course. But, yeah, obviously it deals with some sort of relevant kind of social issues in its own way, but it's just a, a really well-crafted thriller. Yeah. Really well-crafted. And the decision to move to move the focus to somebody else who's trying to convince the other people that the invisible man is is actually a thing works really well. Yeah. So I was a I was a big fan of that one. As was I. I thought they did, they did a really really good job. Mm. I'd heard good things like going into it, but I was still skeptical because I don't know if it's really been done well yep. ever before. Kevin Bacon was in Hollow Man. So, yeah. I'll cut that a little well, bit. Well, they, they got the casting a thousand percent correct and just screwed up everything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think they did a really, really good job. And once again, it's one of these movies made on a tight budget. Mm. It's going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. And, one, and, and again, it just really... proves that this model, Lee Winnell has a good idea. We, we're going to give you this much. We're going to keep the reins tight. Mm. But you can do what you want. Yeah. And then we'll decide how it's going to be looked after when it gets back here. Yeah. But they were, I mean, it was really clever about how it used it too. Like, it was really restrained with the Invisible Man stuff. Like, there was, was, the effects were pretty limited, really. Yeah. They were kept to certain portions of the film. Other times, it was just very, very minimal stuff. And it worked a treat. So... Yeah, I, I mean, just, yeah, that model with Blumhouse, as we've said, sometimes they, they misfire a little bit. Even, yeah, even the misfires generally have an idea that is interesting and will make money because they don't spend, they don't, they don't break the bank to make them. No. So, and I mean, I, I heard um, Jason Blum talking just recently about how essentially he, he buys up IP to as a shell to tell a tell an interesting story. Yeah. You know, he says if he's got an interesting story, it's difficult to get people along to see it sometimes. But if you if you put the shell of a known IP around it, then people will sort of go and check it out. And mm-hmm. th- that's pretty much the case with this. Like we haven't seen an invisible man movie done the way that this one is done. Exactly. From that sort of perspective. So. No to the Friday the 13th owners. <laughs> Give it to Blumhouse. Yeah. Yeah, Stop yeah. fucking court. pissing and moaning in court. Get out of court. Say, let's cut it in half. We'll cut Victor 50-50. We'll have a 50-50. We'll give it to Jason Blum. Even if you want to give Victor 55 because he was cut out for so long. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Work that shit out. Well, this is the thing. They'll wrangle for they'll wrangle for years and then Cunningham will wrestle the rights back and he'll make a movie and it'll make fucking no money. Yeah. 
So just give up your little cut to the other people, put it in the hands of Jason Blum, make a hundred million dollars, and everyone can fucking just throw have, have a money fight together. And exactly, like it's just so silly wasting all the time. Look at John Carpenter; he's it's never just, been so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everybody wants a cut, and if there's no movie being made, nobody's getting a cut. Like, yeah. Just fucking work it out. <laughs> Jesus. Because now I think I think Nightmare on Elm Street's in a similar. I'm surprised similar about situation. that because I thought I assumed that they owned the rights. I believe Craven's Craven. estate has it, but I think there was some mucking around over who owns the rights to the character as opposed to the movie and all this sort of shit. So, but <sighs> unlike the Friday That's the Thirteenth series, Freddy was in the first movie, which yes. I assume belongs to Wes Craven. Yeah. Yeah. You would assume. Yeah. But I, I think there's an issue with New Line around all this. Yeah, yeah. Because Craven reckons he got screwed, remember, out of a heap of cash. Yeah, and when they, you know, when they sell it to fucking one party or another, there's always these bloody clauses and shit, and it's just, I don't know. We just need the property to be made to continue making money on Yes. It. <laughs> okay, what else were we on? So after our episode on Jaws recently, I went back and watched Jaws 2. I enjoy Jaws too. I actually think it's pretty good follow-up. It's okay. It lacks, yeah, it lacks the characters and the and the back and forth between them, and it's it's hard to kind of replicate what happened with the shark in the first movie and how well that was kind of handled. Mm. I then jumped into Jaws three, which made me appreciate Jaws two all the more. Yeah, Jaws three <laughs> is pretty bad. Jaws three is yeah, average, very average. And then I watched Jaws the Return. <laughs> the Revenge. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jaws the Revenge. That is um, a travesty. Funnily enough, I would watch that before I'd watch Jaws 2 and 3 again, just purely because For it's laughs. laughable. And, yeah, it's just a bit silly. Michael Caine is just spouting rubbish. <laughs> He's cracking jokes I seconds mean, before the shark is attacking his plane and I silly mean, things like that. Michael Caine failed to pick up his Oscar. Because he was yeah. out making that. He was on reshoots, shit. wasn't he? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think he. I think he said he asked and was told uh, you've got to be there. <laughs> so he <laughs> he skipped out on the Oscars. Bring it up. <laughs> I can't be there. I'm currently in the Bahamas shooting Jaws: The Revenge. Mm-hmm. Look, you know what I'll say because I watched Jaws: The Revenge a couple of weeks ago. I think I brought it up in the yep. episode a couple of weeks back. I will watch. A $50,000 slasher movie that's pure shit and and give it better rating than something like Jaws of Revenge or Freddy's Dead because I, of how... The way these people make this stuff, those two particular films, to a known and loved franchise, mm. it's bloody... It's, it's outrageous. And yeah. they've got all that money and, and connections and time and, and ability... And they shit these movies out. I mean, they, those two movies are shocking. I mean, fuck, Jaws of Revenge shows the shark's bloody mechanical tubes and stuff yeah, about yeah. four times. He's <laughs> supposed to have you pay people to yeah, yeah, you pay people to cover that up. <laughs> they couldn't even be bothered. Oh, and I believe the budget was twice as much as the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, it's reckless the, the the way they make those sort of films. That's why I get really upset at those sort of movies. Similar yeah. to as upset as Gibbo got about Rambo. <laughs> yeah, 
Because Rambo... Well, it's just cashing in on the name, right? Yeah. So Rambo's... Well, Rocky. Give Rocky for an example. It went to. It went away for a while. It, you know, Rocky's two through five could really be said it's coming from that model. Yeah. It's coming from, we've got to cash in. Luckily, they got a couple of them right. Mm. But they got to part five, and it's exactly what you're talking about. You slapdash this rubbish together, and it doesn't work. Rocky went to bed for a while, and they came back with some stories to tell. Had a good sleep. Had a good sleep. They came back with some stories to tell. Yeah. And Balboa, Creed, that sort of stuff yeah. worked They've out. all been good. Rambo, the last Rambo, didn't have much to say. <laughs> I think it was just, <laughs> how can we see, how can we squeeze John Rambo back into <laughs> back into cinemas somehow? <laughs> well, only he creakily rolls back out to the cinema again. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And you know, I get really frustrated because... These slasher, let's say a slasher film or, or, you know, a really cheaply made film, they don't have the resources. So mm. you have to cut some slack. you got to say, well, yeah, it's a shit movie. It's awful. Yeah. But these guys made this for nothing. If you want to get a Jaws movie out and it's the, it's the name that's doing it for you, what's an extra six months? Well, let's, let's say we're just going to take pictures. We're just going to take a pitch from everyone that thinks they've got an idea yep. for three solid months. That's all we're doing. Pitch meetings. Instead of just fucking rolling into rolling the first idea you can get into production or saying, we're going to make a Jaws movie, uh, call up a writer. Say, hey, you want to write a Jaws movie? Like, yeah. You've got to care about and the I think material. That's why, I think that's, that's what's happening with some of the properties now. That's why we got a good Halloween movie. Because it was dead, yep. and someone just wanted to pitch it, and and I think that's what kind of Blumhouse does too. If he's got a, if he's got things like that, he hears interesting ideas from people. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jaws of Revenge is on par with the Last Shark. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and well. the Last Shark is made for a couple of packs of cigarettes. And, you know, a, a, a case of boutique beer. <laughs> well, I don't even think it was boutique. I think it was a, think it was a case of bloody fud or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Last Shark is a total rip-off made for fuck all, and Jaws of Revenge is on par with that stuff. Yeah. It's, well, it's that badly made. It's, the similar, it's a similar mindset, right? Except you've got the rights to Jaws. It's how yeah. can we cash in on this as quickly as possible? It still made some money too. That's the yeah. weirdest part. What else? You Moving get? on, I I got back onto Marion, the Netflix one, the French oh, yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool idea. I'm about halfway through the series, but yeah, fuck, there's some creepy images going on in there. The old lady just scares scares the crap out of me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's I, I like the idea. It's just the, you know the the girl's an author and she's come back to her hometown where something obviously happened in the past, and this fucking demon is essentially haunting this old woman, telling her, I'm, I'm not going away until you start writing again because she killed off one of... She killed off her most famous character. All right. So in a way, it's got a kind of misery vibe to it in that, that she's being antagonised because... To, to write these stories again. But it's a, it's a, it's very different, the way that they've, they've sort of set up what's going on around her and there's fucking witchcraft and shit like that happening. And um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely got the, the chills factor... Pretty right. That's good. And the last one I watched was a Netflix docker on He-Man. Ah! Power of Grayscale. Was um, it good? Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. It was sort of 
essentially it's all the stuff you you heard in kind of the toys that made us and but it's just a really good story like the way that that he-man came about and like the changes to to what they could show on saturday morning tv and and how it came about from fucking you know just just reaching a little bit of desperation as i said to you it's similar to jaws in how it came about some of this stuff was just from desperation and just reaching for something when you couldn't couldn't work anything else out yeah and it turned into the fucking biggest toy line in history basically yeah. you know so they spend a bit more time on uh the movie to talk to dolphin frank langella a little bit right which is cool and they stretch into the, the later tv show a little bit not not a whole lot yeah but it was cool to to kind of get more info on that that you missed out on on the toys that made us sure um, but yeah, I enjoyed really that cool. episode a lot so really I'd have cool. to yeah it's just a, I think it's it, it lacks the humour the toys that made us is, is funny because they take a humorous approach and they do things almost like it's almost like the Chappelle skits where they're doing the cocaine's a hell of a drug <laughs> they keep coming back to it they yeah. always have re- people repeating things that they were saying and stuff like that Like any movement on the other He-Man documentary Toy Mouses oh bugger if I'd know <laughs> I mean, I saw that trailer about seven years ago. Yeah, it just so fell off. The... It's still around. I think it's still screening in festivals and stuff, but it has been for fucking five years or something. So mm. I don't know if we'll ever see it. The thing that this one lacked is it didn't have that uh, Roger Sweet. I think the his name who... is. Who's a bit of a loony? Yeah, he's always he, talking about how uh, you got to work out, or you're a sissy, and all this. Yet he's this weedy little little guy, and he's talking about <laughs> how he came up with the He-Man name because you got to be. But he's he's fucking fired up about the who created it and yeah. whatever. And I mean, it's pretty clear the bloke that drew it had the ideas and the creations. And Sweet, from what I can tell, possibly came up with the name He-Man, but he tries to claim. <laughs> like yeah, the back and forth. Looks like it was what was going to make Toy Masters interesting. That they fucking they they delved into why those two couldn't stand each other and yeah. who created what, which would have been very interesting. Which they kind of skim over. They don't mention it in this one, which, which is, is disappointing. It's disappointing because that is again another interesting part of it. It's what, you know how success kind of changes people's stories. I mean, at one point there's another executive who claims that he came up with the name, and uh, yeah, it's just like the old you know. Who came up with Jason's mask? Yeah, every, yeah. every man and his, every dog, man his has, dog did has, something. You know, allegedly, was the one that decided on it. Yeah. No one's ever going to say, "Well, no, nah, it actually had nothing to do with me." Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. It's funny because you do get people in the doco that are just happy to have their small part of it yeah. and get credited for what they want. But there's always someone that's someone that was sniffing around that that, that you know boosts their kind of the, their, their involvement. Thing. And so that was it. Mm-hmm. All right, I saw The Invisible Man. I watched Friday the 13th 1 through 3 because obviously we've got a, I'd like to call it definitive. Definitive. Definitive um, group of podcasts that we're intending to do with Brandon from Nostalgia Be Damned. So, you know, those will be coming up in the, the near future. So You've really put the pressure on I've, us there. Well, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I'm, I've already started, so you both got to get stuck in. Yep. And um, I watched... The new Mark Wahlberg movie on Netflix, mm-hmm. Spencer Confidential. Eh, it's all right. And look, you know what? You can see why I wouldn't go to the cinema. It, it, it just seemed to be like sort of buddy, you know, two guys, one's out of prison, he's an ex-cop. You know, it was a, it was a classic sort of corruption sort of story. I think what they're trying to do is create like a spin-off of films. Yeah. He's a guy who can be hired. I yep. think the, the show it was based on was called Spencer for Hire. 
Uh-huh. It was okay without being anything spectacular. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't The Rock doing a movie with Netflix now? Yeah. Yeah. Red Notice. Yep. And it's going to be their most expensive one yet? Yeah. Although, if you're going to pump money into it, you may as well do it with someone like The Rock. Yeah, right? well, at this time, exactly. Yeah. While he's still hot, may as well get him. And let's face it, you don't have to go to the cinema. Yep. You know, and they have no pressure on them to, to ha- open with massive weekends and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, look, it was all right. If you're bored, give it a run. <laughs> um, That's I, not a ringing So, <laughs> uh, I've been watching a documentary series called I Am A Killer, mm-hmm. which is also on Netflix. Not bad. It's kind of interesting because what they do is they talk to the person who committed the crime and then they go out to everyone else. Yeah. And... Most of the time, the story doesn't match. So they're saying, oh, I didn't... You know, one particular woman was saying, I killed my husband in self-defence. Well, no, it was an accident, but he'd been beating me, you know, our whole marriage and everything. Mm. And then when you actually get dig into it, she killed him, didn't tell anyone, buried him in the backyard, and then nine days later, he was discovered. So, you know, (laughs) she didn't exactly go run into the cops five seconds after it happened. So, you know, there's that, there's an interesting dynamic to it, and I like that. I think that's kind of interesting. And the last thing I watched, for reasons I cannot understand, I, I must I would watch a dog turd, <laughs> and hence I watched <laughs> I Am Wrath, a John Travolta-directed Netflix or director streaming turd that seems to be in the mould of, like, Taken... Okay. No. no, 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 John. What's happening? I, I, I said this to you before we started on today's episode. Do you think that guys like Travolta, Willis, Cage, they're guys in their sixties now, so their best years are behind them. They're mm-hmm. not going to be fronting high-profile films. So what they're doing is basically going, "You'll pay me five hundred k to do three days of filming." on some shit and I'll do six of them in a year and there's a decent amount of salary and then I'm also getting paid all the residuals from the big yeah, movies that I, I used to make. I don't know what they're getting. I don't know. I can only imagine that it's it's paydays like that. Yeah. Not. You can't You can't be talking in the millions. Sure. couldn't. Those movies don't have million dollars. Like, I mean, they have. If you were talking in the millions, you'd watch I Am Wrath and then you'd call <laughs> up his agent and say, it's half a million. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm, laughs> you misheard last yeah. time. There was, there was connection troubles on the phone. Because <laughs> Johnny T, he's just phoning it in. Yeah. I mean... He got up and he, he was in a queue and he just recently talking about the fanatics saying, yeah, it was interesting stuff and I was interested in doing it. I mean, I haven't seen the film. <laughs> Everything <laughs> I've read is it's not interesting stuff at all. It's just shit. Yeah. Right? So what... I guess it's about there's no longer a place for these guys, some would say, in the sense of their phones aren't ringing hot anymore, but they've got enough... You know, name recognition that if they do these cameos in this kind of low rent stuff, yeah. they'll still get paid. Yeah, I reckon that's make, what it is. Makes them well. It doesn't take much to get off the uh, off the 
the hot list and onto the shit list. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Even when you're on the shit list, you can still make a living. I yeah. And I mean, John's got planes to service. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I mean, he's he's in his late is his early sixties. Travolta. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Willis is in his mid sixties. I mean, nobody's paying these guys to be action heroes. No. So that was their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, Travolta's the one I would have said to myself. You could make a living a playing, you know, like mentor characters and yeah. And, well, he and wasn't an a- he wasn't the action man. He no, was... neither was Cage. But Cage is a weirdo. You can probably well, get away with it. I think Cage's was more. I mean, he had financial issues that sort of caused him to take anything that was going. And he's been taking it here going of, for ten years. Yeah, yeah. Whereas these other two have only just started wallowing. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> Cage still he finds his way into you know that Spider Man. Voicing one of the, the, the things in, into the Spider Verse, voicing Superman in the Teen Titans movie, Teen Titans Go movie. Like yeah. he still finds his way into into higher profile stuff. And I'm not him. saying these guys, Mandy, can't great film, <laughs> five out of five, kind of a film. I'm not saying that these guys can't still act because they can. Like if you if you take a good director and you give him a meaty role playing something non-action related, yeah, I'm sure that they could probably all do decent work. I mean, all Cage requires is a toilet seat, a <laughs> pair of tidy whities, and a bottle of grog. And exactly, you've got gold you've got right gold. there. So what I mean is, I just think they don't really want us. This is my. You say they don't want to be in good movies. No, <laughs> I think they don't want to be on film sets anymore. For yeah, long periods of time, someone because like Bruce in there, Willis, you could imagine he just turns up and does that, does this direct to streaming stuff, cashes a paycheck, and doesn't have to do promos. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, anytime you see him in an interview or read, some he looks. Of un- he does, he's either he got the shits it. or yeah. he hates it. I mean, Harrison Ford should probably take a lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harrison needs to cut deals that say my involvement in this film does not involve <laughs> any interviews. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I may be totally wrong, but it just seems like certainly from Bruce Willis' perspective is maybe he just wants to slob around at home. Maybe he just wants to treat people on sets like shit rather yeah. than interviewers. Yeah, as well. exactly. <laughs> he just wants, no, but in three days he can't cut loose. <laughs> He can't act like a twat. Yeah, don't bother him enough in that short time span. So, I don't know, maybe those guys, the Travolta's the same. Maybe they want to, like anyone who's at retirement age, they want to cut back on what they're doing yeah. work-wise. And maybe well, they're just well, thinking... being harsh on, harsh on Bruce, because I believe he uh, made contact with Kevin Smith to hash things out. Did he? Talk it over. <laughs> well, again, maybe he's had a look at himself and thought, shit... Maybe I went on like a no, ball I'm 65 bag. now. That's yeah. probably enough of... <laughs> so you got to... I mean, again, I'm not saying that's the case, but it just feels like their time has sort of passed. Yeah. And... Well, this is retirement years, mate. Yeah. They probably got... They don't need... Well, some of them need the money. Like some of the... When you get accustomed to that lifestyle, you seem to be... I don't know, fucking setting fire to money or something. Like, <laughs> the way some of them burn through it. Yeah. Yeah, obviously Travolta can't just stop making money with his fucking fleet of planes and his mansion to maintain and Scientology to pay off. <laughs> and, 
I think that's what happens, right? Is that what happens? They're like <laughs> a, a van turns up to set and Travolta gets thrown out the door <laughs> with a black hood. You, <laughs> you bring home that paycheck. You can do the film and shut up. Um, yeah, look, we've rambled on probably a little bit too much about that, but it just seems that way with Rolder because he's pretty much phoning it in. Yeah. Like, the film is crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's made by the same guy who directed Elm Street 3, Chuck Russell. Yeah. And it's just shit. <laughs> it, it is, still, it's shit. You've still got the fanatic and trading paint on the list, though. <laughs> Oh, no, God, I'm still going to work through that. The second but the I'm looking, shows up, i But I am looking forward to the fanatic because <laughs> I've heard it's so bad. It's kind of so bad it's good. Yeah. This yeah. was just generic run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah. The only good thing about it, I mean, they start with his wife is Rebecca De Mornay. She is dead set in it for no longer than five minutes. And they never really bring her back in in any other capacity or, you know, they don't flash back to anything or, you know, like it's just really, really cheap. The only good thing about it is his offsider is the bloke out of SVU, Christopher Maloney. Mm. Is it Maloney? Good actor. Yeah. And he injects a bit of life into it. <laughs> like, he knows it's shit, but he, he gets to have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Travolta just seems way too serious. He just looks bored. I mean, I was born, so I'll join you, John. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't have to make it. Yeah. I had to sit through for 90 minutes. True. Good point. And at one point this morning, I'm sitting there watching the movie, and then I've just gone, why am I watching this? Like, why am I watching this? Yeah. And I couldn't answer that question. That's not good. That's not good. So Yeah, but look, once you start it, you can't just stop it, can you? Well, you I can. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy to walk away. <laughs> Maybe I was slightly engrossed. I don't know. <laughs> but that was everything for me. Right. I recently found some news, and I don't know why I looked this up. I think it was because we just did the Jaws episode. So I looked up, looked up to see what where we were with Jaws. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, Universal is looking to remake it with Spielberg as a producer, and they're supposedly interested in uh, the guy who directed It to direct right. the film. Now, I'm going to come straight out, straight straight to it. This is not a good idea, considering we just watched it. It's 40-something years old, yeah, and we all said it's still held. Yeah, absolutely. You leave that shit alone, yeah. basically. It's, yeah. There's no need for this. It's still a great movie. Yeah. So why would we remake it? That's right. Oh, it's a property. We yeah. can squeeze some money out of. Look, I don't know. I've accepted that all this is going to happen. If you've got good names attached, okay. I, like, I don't know. How far are you going to go? Is it going to be remade as in like it's Quint and Hooper and everyone again? Or is it... Or is it... Going to be a Jaws-ish template, template of the shark that won't go away. If it's just another Jaws movie, with, another shark movie with the Jaws name slapped on it, okay, I understand why you're doing that. I had the same thing with Child's Play. I didn't yeah. dislike that Child's Play movie at all. I quite enjoyed it, but I just felt it wasn't a Child's Play movie. 
So is that what's going to happen here too? Well, we already got it. It was the Meg. That's basically what what we nah, ended up getting. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The Meg is kind of what they were yeah. going for. Another shark film. Yeah, yeah, Big yeah. budget shark film. Yeah. And this is what it was. This is not a good idea at all because you will invariably, no matter what you do, will be compared to what... This is one of the ones... There's a small... I'm, I'm all for remakes, Jared. Mm. I'm, I'm like you. I'm comfortable. Yeah. I don't have a problem with remaking 95% of films. Yeah. But there is a small bracket that you just don't do it. I feel like... And this Jaws, is one of them. I feel like with Jaws, just make another movie and slap the Jaws name on it with something, some other... I yeah, don't know. No, don't, move it to present day don't or something. Make like it that. Hooper and Brody and yeah, yeah, um, and that's fine. Maybe that's not what they're going to do. Again, this was a very minor article. It didn't have a lot of information. Yeah, Word I feel like the, take the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, take and take the idea and make it with new characters or something. I'd be okay with that. But also, there was talk that Spielberg had always said he would never do this, right? So it yeah. makes me wonder whether this is actually legitimate or not. Yeah, Spielberg would never do this until, you know, he started making comedies and realised that not everything he touched turned to gold. <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs no, a paycheck. He wouldn't do this until a large paycheck was placed Look, in front Stephen, of him. Uh, Steven Spielberg had Poker Night and Stephen King turned up. <laughs> and giggling with all his money in his pockets for his 27 properties Steven, that are currently in let me, let me clue you in on something. You can make double your money, yeah? yeah. No, no word of a lie. I looked at, I looked at a, a list that was compiled of now that King's got rights back and things like that, <laughs> how many of his properties are in stages of development, and it was 27. 27? Yeah. Spielberg, he, he wants to get in on that, He wants buddy. to get in on it. I mean, <laughs> shit. Spielberg's got, you know, he's got grandkids to feed now, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Possibly. I just think this is a bad idea. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think it's a bad idea. No, um, I can I take your points on it completely. I think it is one of those movies, like... I there's a small think, bracket. I don't think that it, it, it is aged to the point where it's not still going to connect with people. I don't think it's it's got room for improvement. So, I don't know. Yeah, the like, only some improvement... I hear, I hear about certain remakes and I say, yep, I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, some things do become more relevant when updated in, in particular ways. Case in point, The Invisible Man. Like, yes. that, that update is... is totally relevant and it's it's a really good idea for now but Jaws isn't one of those ones where I see that see I, I would have had Halloween in that that bracket yeah yep. I would have said that Halloween was one that should just be left alone and because we've made 50 sequels that have come off the back of it why does it matter if we just rip out another one of them mm. there was no need to remake Halloween for, for mine I don't have a problem with things like Elm Street Friday the 13th you know they were good films, yeah, but they are not sort of I mean, held their up. Their whole classics. existence was <laughs> was money grubbing. Kind of, how much can we make off this in the, the least amount of time, and how cheaply can we do it? Exactly, and there were plenty of improvements to be added. Yeah, the only improvement to Jaws is the special effects. That's it. That's the only thing really that you can Even add then. to it. Do you really need to improve it? Like as as we said, it was only a couple of sequences, and the fact that they had to work around that is was a real strength. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not having it. That's my opinion. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, let's take a break. 
Grab your toilet paper. <laughs> Have a blue for packets of poo tickets. <laughs> yeah, like get tasered. <laughs> Pull a knife so you can get a 20-pack of crap roll. <laughs> and settle in for 1995's Outbreak. <laughs> jungle, a small monkey is captured, bound for a pet store in America. The animal carries a deadly virus. Now I know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do. We'd be less than human if we didn't. But the fate of the nation, perhaps the world, is in our hands. We cannot we dare not refuse this burden. I'm confident that each of you will do his duty. God forgive us. Your town is being quarantined. We got 19 dead. We got 100 more infected. It's spreading like a brush fire. What are you talking about? If one of them's got it, then 10 of them have got it now. And if one of them gets out of Cedar Creek, we have a very interesting problem. If that bug gets out of there, 260 million Americans will be dead or dying. I'm leaving with the team in an hour. From the heart of a small California town. Damn it, Sam, I want to save these people same as you. To the inner circle of power in Washington. The most optimistic projection for the spread of the virus is this. 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours. The greatest medical crisis of all time. We can't stop it. Begins. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless we find this monkey. There will be panic the likes of which we have never seen. There you are. Outbreak from 1995, directed by Wolfgang Peterson. He gave us Troy and Poseidon. Produced by Wolfgang Peterson, Gail Katz and Arnold Coppelson. Written by Lawrence Dowert, who gave us Berlin Blues. And Robert Roy Poole, who wrote Armageddon. It stars Dustin Hoffman as Sam Daniels, Renee Russo as Robbie Keogh, Morgan Freeman as General, General Billy Ford, and Donald Sutherland as General Donald McClintock. The budget was $50 million. The box office was 189 worldwide. And this movie is very similar to true events that are covered in the book The Hot Zone by Richard Preston Jr. And I believe these two films were competing. Christ in the Hot Zone and this one. And then they end up dropping Christ in the Hot Zone because this one got there first. Hmm. Very well covered in a, the, the couple of those books I've got at home. All right. What's our take? Jared, what are your thoughts? I wasn't sure what to expect, really, because I had seen this one, I think I'd seen it on TV, but not really sort of watched it, like it was on at the house or something like that, so I hadn't really sat down and watched it. I was very impressed. I thought it was really good. The acting is top-notch all around. The cast is really, really good, acting-wise, (laughs) <laughs> don't know, don't know about uh, some of them as people, but we'll <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. what um, about human being ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does a really good job of kind of, especially initially, it kind of cuts back and forth between 
the characters that we're going to spend the time with and the virus spreading. And some of that stuff is really good. Yeah. Then it kind of ramps ramps up and is quite tense when it's kind of a race against the virus and a race against the, you know outside influences as well. And I really enjoyed it. So I, would, I think I'm going to go for a four. Four? Big time. Yeah. I went, I was close to four, but I went three and a half. I'm like you, I didn't really remember this well. I remember it being okay. But I don't. There wasn't much I, re, I actually remember about the film in general. Mm. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's it's actually quite tightly wound and suspenseful as a thriller, and it uses that idea of how scary and the kind of panic this type of thing can actually bring. Mm. And think about what we're currently going through. <laughs> yeah. Apart from having well, a laugh about people who fight over uh, toilet paper. Dirty backsides soon. <laughs> I know. That's what thing. I'm more worried about. I don't care about getting coronavirus. <laughs> I just don't want a dirty ass. I want to be able to buy toilet paper at my leisure. <laughs> well, honestly, you know what? I was... <laughs> I don't want to be fucking Lordy Bungus in the, in the aisle. Just a veer off. I, didn't, I, I was looking at this going... It's silly. Like, what are we doing? And then Kleenex has come out and said, our supply's not going to be interrupted. Mate, I had to pick up a bloody Costco fucking... Just one. I didn't go silly and film the trolley, but I picked up the Costco bloody 60-pack or whatever. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm not panic buying. But then I got there and saw the supplies and thought, I'm not going to have any. <laughs> so I bought one. But now, honestly, every shop I've been to in the last Heavy. week has been cleared out. It's fucking unbelievable. So now I feel like I'm getting in contact with Georgie Miller and saying, "Can we just for our, um, you know, our, our next Mad Max film? Can we just make it more true to life and yeah. show that Not whoever fuel, has the toilet dunny roll, roll. whoever has the bog roll, is king, <laughs> <laughs> and all the other people are shambling up with dirty backsides saying, "We'll do anything, just throw us down a roll." <laughs> Just do you know what? Rolling on do you know what? I expected to find when I rounded the aisle at, at my local supermarket. Like I just had this, this sort of picture in my head of like a bloke standing in the aisle with a mace, <laughs> 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 belting people, hanging onto a big thing of toilet roll. That's what turned into. Oh, but it's funny because like everyone's fighting over dunny roll. <laughs> Don't worry about food and water. We're just casually, you know, we're civilly saying, no, no, you grab that one. I'll, I'll go after you. <laughs> we're taking turns and being civil and not punching each other over a fucking plate of sausages. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Part of the pollies, I think, or a doctor came out and said, it's like, it's not bad, Max. That's basically how you put it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but it shows you how fucking fragile all this all this stuff is. Like, but when there's a panic, people just lose their minds. <laughs> I, mean, I can't. I couldn't tell you that I would ever have thought we would be in a situation where <laughs> people would be pulling knives on each other over a twenty pack of sorbet. Like, but it's happened now. <laughs> Do you think that when you're in court six months down the track for assault over this, you know, this sort of stuff? Because I believe there was a massive fight in the in one of the yeah. <laughs> one of the woolies. Yeah. So when the judge is talking to you, are you remorseful about the fact it was over like a ten pack of shit roll? 
slowly segue back to yeah, this sorry, film. It's just too amusing. To, <laughs> I mean, you wanted to get topical. We got topical. <laughs> I mean, you can't even find a two-pack for God's sake. I'll take two-ply if that's all that's getting dished out. <laughs> It's going to be, well, it'll be back to, you know, people will be going into pubs and fucking knocking <laughs> off. Knocking off the grease bread yeah. paper roll. Going into Macca's buying a cheeseburger and then sneaking into the toilet and making off with, like the hamburger with all their toilet rolls. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like me and you like to eat bread, eat, eat <laughs> Fucking <laughs> eat toilet paper. I mean, I'm gonna be, be out in a bloody week's time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Oh God! All right, back, back. But the, this film does a similar con- takes a similar con yeah concept. Just forgot about the, the important stuff like toilet rolls. Yeah, yeah. Look, they don't cover toilet rolls. That's <laughs> fair enough. But they showcase the panic and the and the and how scary this can possibly be. Mm. And they do it well. They actually do it really well. Really well, yeah. And they do a really good job of showcasing how quickly the virus can spread and what the trigger points are. And you only have to come in contact with someone for two seconds. You get bitten by, you know, like a monkey or whatever, yeah. you know, that's harboring the, the virus. Yep. And it showcases it really well. Um, it does a fantastic job of that. A couple of minor problems. Yeah, a couple of. Um, couple of I feel issues. the film sort of goes to the well one too, one too many times near the end. To sort of get go get a little bit more to sort of dredge out just a little bit more tension, mm-hmm. um, but overall it's a, it's a really really solid thriller. It is. So yeah, three and a half for me. Very good. Kicking off with what you said, the acting is rock solid. I mean, it's deep. The cast is super deep. Yeah. And From Dustin Hoffman is Hoffman top is notch. excellent. Um, he also does a, a, a nice line of kind of he rambles. Yeah, like yeah. he'll just he'll, he'll get in there and he'll fire up there. He'll start rambling. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. He'll start rambling about something and yeah, you know, just sort of finish off with it. And I, I really like that. Yeah. Renee Russo is good, although she kind of gets a little bit less screen time. I guess yeah. she doesn't see as much time. You've got Morgan Freeman, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland's as oily as you can get, which yes. I loved. Yeah. And then you go down to Cooper Gooding Jr., Kevin Spacey. Yeah. So you've got a you've got a really solid cast, and they all Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> I've I've got some problems with Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. bring them up later. But it's a really really solid strong cast, and you've got basically you've got a group of actors who seasoned pros. Mm. You're never going to have a problem here. No. And in the acting front, and that's they deliver across the board. Yep. The opening scene. Of 1967 in, um, where was it? Where was the opening? Zaire. Zaire. Sets the scene as to exactly what we're dealing with yeah. and how serious this is going to have to be. And it's got some really nice touches, like the the shots sweeping across the fucking beds of, of people with the, the disease. The face of the dead guy when they when they look at the dead bodies yeah. and you you don't see the face but you see it reflected in his mask. Nice little kind of you know keeping it a little bit vague and the bombing was a little bit predictable. Yeah, but you know the monkey scrambling away and starting that kind of theme, uh, it all worked really nicely. I think it was about four minutes. Yeah, it was very short and it's basically set up everything just like that. Really niftily got us into the story what we were dealing with. Worked. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. And the same can be said about 
opening Hoffman and Rene Russo's characters. Mm. It's short. It's cliche. It's pretty sort of cliche sort of stuff. But yeah. just the whole thing about the dogs and yeah. the photographs. Just oh, we get a to know of that really nice lines. We get to know that they were married or they were in a relationship, and now it's gone to shit. Yeah. And obviously they both work in the same same field. field. Now competing somewhat. Yeah. So again, that's only five minutes. Yeah. And it just sets them both up nicely. I really like when he kind of stops and looks at the boxes and he says to her, "You know, you're giving me all the pictures of us." Yeah. And she says, "Yeah, I know." And it was kind of like, "Ooh, that's it's a nice little way to kind of show the what's happened to them." Yeah. Really. But yeah, even just before that too, when they when they do the walkthrough of the uh, infectious diseases. Centre, oh, the Army Infectious yeah, Diseases yeah. Centre, and they go through the stages and stuff like that. But it's all one shot, just walking through one door and then sort of yeah. down a corridor and following someone. That sort of stuff, that all worked out really well. Yeah, really, really strong. When they go to the infected village, when they go back there, mm. when they go, and that village is, it's it's quiet. There's hundreds of bodies just lined up. On the ground, there's blood and stuff. Yep. It's really creepy. It is. Kind of, because it's kind of like this virus has just in removed this entire village, basically. Yeah. Yeah, wiped it out. Killed them all. Uh, and then that's where we also get a little tidbit of, it's not airborne. Yeah. He says. Yep. And then that comes back to us later. Mm-hmm. In another really, really great shot um, with regards to that, how they show how it's airborne yes moving into like watching how it spreads was really cool too because that kind of it starts just with the one character yeah Dempsey Dempsey. what's his name Jimbo Jimbo and how he kind of well it slowly moves like the the monkey is on the ship and then it moves to Jimbo and kind of works out and then very quickly the vet yeah Jimbo um, gets Jimbo gets his little kind of incident Yep, that infects in the him. Car. Then, yeah, the pet store, the guy gets scratched. Yep. And so you move with Jimbo for a little while and see how he interacts with people and he's going to infect them, the kid with the cookie, mm. like how it could happen. Mm. And then you get a little bit of the guy in the pet store and it just fucking ramps up really quickly. It's, it spends a little bit of time with Jimbo yeah. and shows how easily this is going to spread. And um, then suddenly, boom! Everyone's off. Yeah, everyone. Um, the, the, the guy, the guy that touches the vet's blood or gets sprayed with the vet's blood, which is a little yeah. bit clumsy. Yeah. But then him going to the theatre. Yeah, and, and coughing it all and out. Coughing it. And you and see stuff. it go out and come down in someone else's yeah. mouth. I love the way they cut back to that, and it seemed like, you know, they were making clear it was a couple of hours later, but shit has started to really develop, and once it gets beyond this zone, you can't fucking stop it. Basically. Yeah. You know, it's just going to continue. And even before that, they do a really good thing where they showcase Cooper Gooding Jr. explaining the virus using the slides. Yeah. And this is how it infects. And it's simple, effective. You don't need to be a bloody brain surgeon to understand what they're saying Mm. and how the virus kills. Yep. And, again, really, really effective scene because it only takes a minute or two to explain it all to you. And it's not over-explained, which I think is a great thing. You know, it's a really good thing for a movie like this. You need to be careful yes. how much gobbledygook is in amongst the, in the screenplay. Yeah. And, and I think they did a great job. In fact, there's very little of that scientific kind of talk. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, it's sort of. I mean, that's not the aim of it, really, is it? It's it's yeah. it's got to be believable, but you know, you don't want to get too bogged down in that sort of stuff, so yeah. as to slow down the. the See, the, the so it's a real it. it's a real balancing act. Yeah, because you can make the mistake of going too far, trying to explain it all. Yep. Or you. Can, and that's that's boring. Yeah. Or you can go too far the other way where it's not realistic. Doesn't mm. feel realistic. Yeah. Look, I'm not a huge fan of this, but I appreciated how it was done, and I kind of accepted it because you kind of needed a, a flesh and blood villain, and that was Freeman and Sutherland choosing to make choices to cover their own ass yeah. essentially, rather than do what's required to actually take care of this virus the right way. One of the things I loved about that is they actually say that Hoffman has been wrong a few yes. times. Yep. So it's not a fait accompli that he just says, you know, because if we were in another type of movie, okay, let's say, let's say like the Meg. Yes. Oh, the bike, the, the, the bike's the greatest fucking... Yeah, viral guy in the world. Yeah, he's he never been out, wrong. He rolls out of bed and falls on fucking fifteen beer bottles. But yeah, he's but he's the greatest. He's the greatest there is, and so you should listen. Yeah. Whereas they actually say you were wrong. Yeah, it was similar with I think it was Dante's Peak. Remember yes. when they basically said, "Look, you're acting on hunches here, but we got nothing. We don't Solid. have the science to back it up." It was yeah. similar like that. But they essentially, I think it was done a little bit better that they yeah. said to Hoffman, "You were wrong, correct?" And he's like, "Yes, I was wrong." Yeah, and he said he does it. He did it like twice or three times. I even yeah. say three incidents where you made a cho- you told us to shut everything down, mm-hmm. and you were wrong. And so that's good. It, it showcases that not people are not just going to believe him. Yes, it's not a given that he's going to be believed. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of happy with that. I think it has its problems. Yeah, I, when I, you look at it. I had a couple of issues Closely. with Sutherland, which I'll which I'll go into. Yeah. Not his performance and and the character necessarily, but just a, a, a little bit around the motivations and and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, every time Sutherland was on screen, I was fucking enjoying it. So he looked like he was fucking gleefully diving yeah. into that yeah. as oily as he could, as you said. I love that shot through the air conditioning duct. That yeah. basically just show and again. Very little explanation, mm. but you when you see it, you see the guy in one room, he's coughing and spluttering, and then the camera just goes up into the air duct, mm-hmm. along the air duct, comes back out the other side, and Dustin Hoffman's waiting at the other end, and he's like, it's airborne. Yeah. And so you in, in, in one shot with only a, one line of dialogue, we understand what's happening. Yes, correct. And it's really, really well done. I loved... The scene of the chief of staff or whatever oh, blowing up. That is one of, to me, one of the best monologues I've heard in a movie. Yeah, it was cool. He just delivers it with such passion and stuff, and you'd feel like this would ha- like the way he's saying we don't just exterminate two thousand six hundred people. Yeah, you know? if there's a voice of of dissension I want him in here yeah you can see he doesn't want to do it no and he's kind of he's angrily kind of throwing back at it but saying if we do it this is we're we're all standing together we're all like yeah if he goes down we go down too yeah and then of course Sutherland just stays quiet yeah remember he pulls the constitution in yeah and he's like I know it pretty well I don't see anywhere in there that it says we we have the right to fucking 
take life and all this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. That's great. It was great. JT Walsh. The bloke's a legend. He mm. pops up in all these little cameos, and he's great. Like he he has a, a, a substantial role in a few good men, where he's equally as good. You know, he's just one of these guys that, unfortunately, he's dead, I believe, which is which is sad. Um, but really, really good actor, and that is a. It's just the, I felt the best actor scene in the movie, which is yeah, saying a hell of a lot yeah. in, con, in considering he got such quality on on screen the whole time. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of actually containing it to one place. Yeah, After the early true. running round and kind of, you know, a little bit of globe trotting and then, yeah. you know, being off with Dempsey and that, to contain it at Cedar Creek yeah. just focuses everything in. I think that was a really good idea. At the right time, to have, too. After that initial spread and, sh- and showing us how easily it can get around, once that was all done, to say we've caught it. So they contained it at, at Jimbo's end, right? Yeah. But then Cedar Creek was where it got to and saying, right, we've got this area that is now surrounded and we've got this many people to deal with mm. and we have to contain it there. I mean, that was essential to the story really going forward. And, and yeah, I think they, they paced that really well. They showed us how it spreads and then they focused on, right, this is where it's gotten to. Yep. And this is where we're going to ramp up the efforts to, to keep it. And it also helps to create that scary kind of understanding of what martial law might be like. Yes. That the, the military just cuts them off. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of something like The Siege. Yeah. Where they take the same approach that the military is in an American city. Yeah. Same sort of thing and, and how scary that might be. And it's sort of, I mean, it shows that the panic and the, and the fucking hysteria around it is as big a threat. Yeah. Those um, bozos trying to get out. Trying to get out. Uh, and that the military would the basically kill them. screaming at the doctors and yeah. what are you doing to us and all this. When your better judgments is kind of saying these are the people that are here to help us. Yeah. But they, everyone wants to fucking get away from it, you know, like it's... Uh, exactly. It, I thought they, they managed to capture that quite well. Yeah. I think there's a fantastic couple of sequences where Freeman and Hoffman kind of butt heads. Mm. In Cedar Creek, yeah, and one in particular where he's like, if it, you know, if one of them's got it, then ten of them have got it, and if if it gets outside of Cedar Creek, we're all fucked, and you know, like, yeah, I really loved it because he's, yeah, once again, there's a bit, there's passion and shit in it, yep. you know, and it kind of feels, it feels real, you know, like this is what you'd be saying, we can't let it get out of here, yeah, um, and but again, there's a couple of sequences where they're both. I mean, there's one that's a little bit earlier on that mm-hmm. I didn't mention where he basically says to him, who am I talking to, you know? Yeah, You used yeah, to be yeah. a doctor. Now you, you know... He rattles off all the names above him. And yeah, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. You're basically just a, a, a company man. Uh, I thought, again, that was another great scene. Mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland had some fucking fantastic back and forth with Briggs, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it starts off with what he says, you know, um, mentions that forgotten Dustin Hoffman's character's name but he, he mentions that he's he's here 
And he's like, you didn't tell me or something. And Briggs says, oh, you're asleep. And he goes, oh, I am never that asleep, Briggs. <laughs> it just, that just starts the kind of this antagonistic relationship with Briggs. Yeah. Briggs, Briggs is, just, is just copying it. He's oh, just he's standing just, there and copying it. Yeah. He's just like his buddy. He, he just becomes his punching bag for the rest of the movie. And I think there's that beautiful back and forth when he's like, do you, do you plan to make general Briggs? And he's smiling at him, and Briggs is like, yes, sir. And he goes, ah, you're never going to, or something like that. And just kind of, just keeps riffing into him every chance he gets. No, the best one is, so who do you think should take over, Briggs? You, sir? Ah, you kiss ass with the best of them, don't you, Briggs? <laughs> yeah. I just thought, yeah, that, those two, they just have this kind of, this antagonistic, but Briggs is just standing there just taking it yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's about rank, you know. Yeah, he's just it's beneath all the rank. Him. Yeah, he's just the, you know, he's the, he's the, the military man that's just, just copying it from his superior. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate, there's a sequence where the mother, the infected mother leaves her family. Mm. It's it's bloody emotional. Like, they actually wring a little bit out of it. The fact that the kid tries to go and hug her. Yes. And the father, the father grabs says, it. Don't. You can't you can't do it. And then they just they they lead her out into a bloody humvee. And you stay with her briefly. They stay with her quite for another minute or so, showcasing her then suddenly in line with all these other people being walked into the, the school and set up as a hospital or yeah, a hospital yeah. area. Again, I just thought that was really, really cool, just once again showcasing how scary this sort of shit would be. Mm-hmm. Because there's just army guys with guns and stuff sitting there standing around all around them, you know? Yeah, and you just know that Cedar Creek doesn't have that much toilet paper. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can tell you now. Cedar Creek bloody um, supermarket is the line on crap roll. <laughs> I mean, and tissues. Yeah, everything. <laughs> Everything's gone. The newspaper supplies are being used to... Put it this way, mate. If I'm going to wipe my ass with tissues, they need to be aloe vera and a bit of... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Could get nasty otherwise. <laughs> I think it's a really good touch to have Spacey get infected. Yes. <laughs> He gets infected, and it showcases that these guys actually know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. But then no one's immune to this this virus. No yeah, matter well, what happens, you make he, a mistake. He's exhausted because they're working around the clock. Yeah. And I love the bit before that, though, because like you're off in there going, don't you tell me when to sleep. And then the next shot's him on the bed going, <laughs> <laughs> Spacey's the one that's falling asleep. Yeah. That's right. Um, but it shows, yeah, it shows the pressure, you know, the pressure that they're under. And then under. I love the fact that it adds to that not long after that, that's when Rene Russo punctures their gloves. Yes. And then, again, it's the stakes are higher. Yeah. Because suddenly people that he cares about are now sick. Yeah, well, when He's, the team starts starts ramping it up, as you said, the stakes, Yeah. it, it's, it moves towards the, this is the end game, you know. Like, uh, if these guys are done, we're all fucked, basically, yeah. you know. And, once again, there's no we can't just close it down. We need to actually find something to stop it. Yeah. Uh, which is good. I like the fact we bring the ticking clock in of Hoffman looking for the boat yeah. that had the monkey. Yeah. Russo and Spacey are both dying. Yeah. And the military's fair up his ass with a with an order of he's infected, well, he should be right. killed. They kinda they hit you with from, from from the front and the back, I suppose, with the with Russo being the clock, as you said. And the town really, you know, yeah. the, 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 they're gonna be wiped away. But yeah, 
Donald Sutherland gets into the chopper and then it's all on. Yeah, yeah. And then they added another one even, bombing the place. Yeah. We then bring that in. Yep. So we've got a lot going on, but it, it's pretty seamlessly done. Like, yeah. it's not badly done at all. And it doesn't feel, because they've got all these sort of stages that they go through, it doesn't feel like it's it's rushed. I mean, yeah. it's, it's two hours, a shade over two, two hours. Two hours, seven minutes, though. It was, it was always moving pretty swiftly yeah. through the story. Um, and I think you'd probably needed two hours plus yeah. to tell it. Yep. Ninety minutes wouldn't have just wouldn't have captured the whole whole requirements. No. They throw in a helicopter chase, a little bit of action, yeah. just to get us yeah. you know, back into it. And I think that's quite an exciting with a great a great bit of work from Donald Sutherland where they think they're gonna run into each other and they go <laughs> onto him and he's there going, oh! <laughs> he kind of when they sort of they miss, he breathes this great kind of sigh of relief and he's like oh. <laughs> That was it that worked out very uh, nicely. And my final like is his speech to the pilots. Where he's saying that the, the president has not been properly briefed. We yeah. we have what's required I know you don't want to do this. Yeah. I thought it was, again, quite an emotional sort of piece and a really nice monologue, really well-written monologue. And I think part of what makes really good filmmaking in a lot of cases is it's well-written, but then it's given to someone who can deliver it properly. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. what you got here. You got this that, that several times. You know, you got really, really great delivery... Of some excellent lines. Yes. I don't think... I can't think of someone better than Dustin Hoffman for, for the role, really. Yeah. He, was, he just did such a good job. Yeah, he did. He was absolutely fantastic. Anything else from you, mate? No, that was, that was it. Okay, the dislikes. Minimal. Dislikes. A couple of little things. Visual effects. Look, it's the time period, yeah, 95. Shaky. The explosion at the end is rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. It looks terrible. Yeah. But it's not Jaws the Revenge. No, 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 not quite. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but this was early CGI. Yeah. And it kind of, some of it didn't really work very well. No. I mean, it, look, it would have been state of the art back yeah, in 95. Absolutely. Going through the, you know, following the blokes coughing and the fucking droplets of spit through the air and yeah. through the ducts even. Yeah. You could see it. You could see the, the they effects were a little yeah. shonky, but they were, they were used minimally. Yeah, um, and, and it got the said, point across. The, the, shot, the shot of, you know, it going airborne through the air vent was a really good idea, so you kind of gave it a bit of a pass on yeah, that exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. But you're right, they were a little bit shaky. Finding a rip in your suit... And then covering it with a piece of gaffer tape? Fuck no. I'm getting okay. a new suit nothing and I'm spending hours Mate, checking to make sure it's, it's nothing in wrong. 100% intact. Nothing that gaffer can't fix. That's all, no, no problems there. No. no problems <laughs> it's well, a virus that kills people. Uh, you can fix your shoes with a bit of gaffer tape. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, your airtight suit. Well, according to fine. some shit they're selling on TV these days, you can cut a boat in half and then tape it back up. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody gorilla grip or some shit like that, I don't know. <laughs> and then ride that thing through the water. Yeah, I'd trust it. Yeah, I trust it too. No, I don't trust it. <laughs> and I won't be trusting it with a, a virus that kills people. <laughs> well, we'll have, we'll have to differ on that one. Patrick Dempsey. Looks like a member of Bad English. <laughs> His entire look... He looks like Robbie Neville. Yeah, yeah. His entire look 
should be fucking stricken from fashion. <laughs> that was a bad that period. Was terrible. It was a shocking period. Yeah. He's basically wearing like a half moulet. His hair looks very similar to bloody Jason Patrick in The Lost Boys. Like he yes, just... yes. A little bit shorter yeah. than Patrick. Yep. It's a mullet. Or as I, um, my little nephew likes to call it, a malarkey. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's more of a malarkey. <laughs> but he also has a, one of those long earrings. Yeah. And a little bit of stubble, the ripped jeans, the leather jacket. Mm. It's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah, it's, it's one of those looks. McDreamy by us. <laughs> he, he, he looks terrible. It's one of those looks that hasn't stood the test of time. No, it's the grunge look. It's kind of the grunge look. That was around the time of grunge, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. Okay, no. It's grunge that's then been filtered it's, through. It's, it's 80s hair metal with a tinge of grunge. I think it's grunge filtered through like... H&M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, um, but he looks shocking. He does. He, he looks does. shocking. Yeah. And although I did love sh- them showing how the thing spreads, there's a couple of real sort of contrivances on how it gets around. Well, the blood, him breaking the blood vial in the spinner. The blood vial in the spinner is ridiculous. That was so stupid. Dempsey being on a plane, like it didn't, it, it didn't really explain, like... He takes something from the fucking... He drives. ...from the job, and he drives to the pet shop, and then he's just on a plane. The next thing you see him, he's just on a plane. I'm just kind of like, I feel like we skipped a a step there. Like, there didn't seem to be a reason for him to be on a plane. Then he's... He gets off the plane looking like fucking death. And his missus humps his leg. His missus goes, you you look terrible, and then jumps down his throat. I mean... If yeah, I, if my, I was, my wife would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you sit in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere well, near you. Alternatively, get an Uber. Shocking. And also, don't come home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until you've sorted yourself out. That's it. That's, I mean, that's yeah, that he the looks, normal reaction. He looks shocking. Like, he's all, his face is all, he's all sweaty and it's all, his face is all red around his nose and stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking... I think he's even got a couple of lesions on his face. So yeah, like, yeah. If if I was his girlfriend, I'd be like, whoa, no, no, no. And to me, it What's wouldn't have made here? much difference if he came in contact with someone who was on the plane. It just seemed like he wasn't the he wasn't the guy that was getting on the plane, and the guy getting splashed with the blood. Like there was just those two sort of steps that. Yeah, that there was something missed there. I think. Yeah, um, and I get that they kind of needed to, they needed to sort of do that in a sense to. Spread the two strains. One's, the yeah, the two strain strains. And the airborne strain. Yeah. And the airborne strain landed in Cedar, Cedar Creek. Yes. And the yeah. non airborne strain was um, taken care of. Yeah. But um, I just felt, yeah, I thought we could do that some other way. But that was, it was pretty minor. So, what were your issues with Donald Sutherland? So, it sort of remains unclear the whole time why McClintock is doing what he's doing. Like, you get the sense that, okay, they bombed that village, they kept the disease to weaponise it in some way, but then when it's spreading in this town, they're okay with a little bit of collateral damage, but once the new strain hits and all this sort of stuff, okay, it's self-serving, but it just continues past the point of, 
Like, it's almost hitting fucking national emergency levels and things like that, and it looks like Morgan Freeman's willing to fall on his sword. So Donald Sutherland kind of gets left in this position of, you do the right thing now, or you just fucking... I don't know. You, you, you... Well, it felt like they kept him as a villain as if they felt they had no choice. Yeah. We have to have this villain right to the end. Yes. Whereas I don't actually think you needed him. Well, I think it's Oh, just you kind of did, little, I guess, because you, you had to have Donald, um, him, him calling for yeah, Hoffman him to be shot. Yeah, trying to get him to, to arrested and shot and then making up the stories about him being infected and whatever. But it gets to the point where once... once It's sort of past the point of no return, and so his motivations then become a little bit flimsy. There's not really... I don't know. It doesn't feel like he should be pushing to the extent. It feels like he could. There's a there's a point where he could say, "We made a mistake," and then there's a point where he goes to fucking maniac level. Yeah. And it seems like it's going to come out to the president and everyone else through Morgan Freeman or some other channel that you knew we had the ability to create the antidote. You knew the these other things, but you came to us and said, "This." Mm. So you're in some shit either way. Yeah. And rather than kind of... It feels like that with that motivation, he would probably run it back a little bit. Yeah. Rather than push fucking into overdrive to the point where whatever happens here, I'm fucked. The thing too for me is I can understand that type of maniac kind of general thing in something like Planet of the Apes. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. But I can't see it here. Because no. ultimately, I can see this it to is, an extent. I yeah. can see them weaponizing it, and but it's coming you got to know that we keep this under wraps. But once it's, the wraps are fucking blown off, there's got to be a point where, and I mean, him and him and Morgan Freeman are being self-serving to cover their own ass. Yeah, but they're not the only ones. Those two on their own don't make the call to bomb a fucking village. No, they're in, they're in those positions of power now. But you're assuming thirty years prior. They weren't. No. So other people had to be giving the directions. And even now, it's in the fucking army's bloody little, whatever it was, their library of diseases or whatever that he goes into. So high-ranking high army officials are well aware of this shit, yeah, surely. Yeah, So Not someone has to. to say to somebody, the cover's blown, we just have to fucking run with this or something. But he just goes fully into overdrive to... Even past the point of where he would be able to contain the knowledge with Dustin Hoffman. Mm. It's past that point that he continues to pursue him and says, bomb the town. Like, it's all going to come out anyway. So the motivation there becomes a little bit... bit Was perhaps to... He had to to not give the information to the president. Yeah. Right? So that kicks that off into place. Yep. But then I feel that that's when you need to shave him a little bit. And say, yeah. holy shit, this has now gone way too far. Yeah, yeah. It's no longer contained. Yeah. Because didn't they say? Then doesn't he say in his final speech to the pilots, "It's not just it's not just in Cedar Creek. Yeah, it's outside yeah. of Cedar Creek. Yeah. So, shouldn't it be that by then Sutherland realizes, oh shit, you know, and he can't take it back. The bombing's going ahead because the the higher ups have accepted it. Yeah, or something like that. And the president has accepted your advice. I mean, I really enjoyed him being that villainous. Yeah. But the more it went, like, I was enjoying his performance and I was doing, but I just kept going, oh. He's going too far. He's going too far now. Like, yeah, it it was. um, In fact, they could have even tempered it a little bit by 
taking him out of the cockpit or something like things that. like yeah, that. Yeah. Put him back in the in the office, yeah, type yeah. of thing. He's yeah. the puppet master, and part of it is that I cannot pull pull back on this because that's the end of my career. Like we needed something like that. We needed to humanise him slightly mm. to why he would take this approach. Yeah, but they, that's one thing they didn't do. Correct. They made him a, a crazy person. That's what I felt. Yeah. The last thing for me is I just feel the 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 the, the, the clean sweep. Because remember they go it's go for launch on clean sweep. Yeah. And then Hoffman gets in touch and says we know what's going on we know who the host is mm. I need you to stall. And Freeman calls in the bombers and says, listen, abort. Yeah. And then we toss it up again because Sutherland goes apeshit and starts getting it back on track. Yeah. I just felt it was like we went to the well once too often. Yeah. Even though I love the the speech he makes, but he could still have made that speech. And we perhaps we didn't necessarily need it. We kind of went to the well and we felt like we needed to go one more time. It just wasn't as successful. Mm. And the whole thing with them dropping it in the ocean and everything was just a little bit sort of naff. Yeah. Just a touch. Yeah. I think you're right there. You got anything else there? No, not really. I just... (laughs) I had a bit of a... The fucking townies at Cedar Creek that try to fucking bust out of the place in the Ute. So I was just thinking, come on, fellas. Let's just just ease off a touch here. You'd probably, you know, if you're going to try that, you're probably going to stop it at the sight of, you know, a few military men with guns in hand. But when you you keep steaming towards the helicopter... And they pull out the 50 cal and blow your car up. I was looking at it and I thought, oh... They seem a bit silly. Then I realised in the back of the ute they had, you know, 10 packs of bog roll and they were just trying to pull it <laughs> yeah. all for themselves. I thought, oh, well, that's probably realistic, actually. If people are getting tasered and, and knifed for it at the moment, <laughs> it's probably true to form. But yeah, I, I didn't have as much of an issue with that. It was just something I kind of laughed at when it was going on. Yeah, and, yeah, they picked the most chari- like the most stereotypical type of people to try and make a run for yeah, it. Yeah, know? yeah. Anything else for you? No, that was that was the lot for me. All right. Well, that is Outbreak. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook, Thrill Me Podcast Australia, and at podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com. And please rate and review us on all those platforms. We're also on Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. As I said, our next episode will be Moonraker, the James Bond film. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at thrillme, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.